When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big Sills National Football Show. Welcome aboard. Where the news never ends. The news never ends. Can I make a statement without anyone using the term flip-flop here with anything when it comes to Jalen Hurts? I got to tell you, man. So there's some folks doing a mural now in Philadelphia with Jalen and thanking him for the season that enjoyment he brought to Eagle fans and sports fans in Philadelphia. And I think it's really cool. Can I tell you who it reminds me of? Reminds me of Kobe. He's got a lot of Kobe in him. I mean, Kobe's revered. Jalen's revered. I'm talking personality here. I'm not even getting into contract yet. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything other than how people look at him. It's like Kobe. The people in Philly love him more than Bryce Harper, Joel Embiid. He might go down as one of the most revered athletes in Philadelphia sports history. I mean, when people look at Kobe Bryant today, I think people today, and I think the true testament of Kobe Bryant is that Kobe's aura and his legend is growing more and more and more after his passing. The Mamba's bigger to me than he ever was. Jalen Hurts answered a question about contract talks Exactly the same way Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant would answer it. Today's not the day. Today's the time to reflect, to get better, and then there will be a time for that. Do you know how important that answer is instead of doing this? Look at Kobe Bryant slash Jalen Hurts' response on what he learned from the Super Bowl and then Put that next to how Aaron Rodgers is dealing with the Packers. Hey, once I get out of my cave, I'll let you know what's up. You know, with all the faults that Brett Favre has, all the faults he has, he'll be more revered by Packer fans than Aaron Rodgers will ever be. You know why? He's relatable. 
I think the true magic to guys like Brady and people like Muhammad Ali, you're relatable. You know why? Because you touch everyone. You don't just touch half a locker room like Carson Wentz. You're relatable to everybody. Failure, success, underdog. People that represent cities. Tony Gwynn was awesome for San Diego. Humble, yet great. Rip it. I mean, when, when, when you look at the way Cal Ripken fit right into Baltimore, he, he, it was a match. Jeter, New York. Jordan, Chicago. You know what I'm saying? It's relatable. Failures and successes. I'll say this to you. I saw that mural on the uh, sports page of the Philadelphia Inquirer this morning, and I'm going, man, I'll tell you what, even in a loss, they love this guy. Even in a loss, they love this guy. And now I think it's more profound than ever. He's got a lot of Kobe Bryant in him. See, the money will come. The winning is what drags the money along with you. If you love what you're doing, the money comes. Trust me when I tell you. You know, I've never made a cent doing something that I hated. But things that I love, I've done well. Just, when I, I don't... I don't really think of Michael Jordan when I think of Jalen Hurts. I think of Kobe Bryant. Mamba mentality, you know? I saw that mural and I go, man, can you watch this. Kobe in Philly would have been 10 times better than Kobe in L.A. Laker fans didn't deserve him. They didn't deserve him. But he probably went to the right franchise because the Laker franchise with Dr. Buss when he got there with Jerry West was all about winning. Mitch Kupchak and them dudes, all them guys cared about winning. Now the apple's fallen far from the tree. Look at the Lakers over the last 10 years. It's not a destination for winning. Outside of the Disney trophy, it's really not been anything, has it? Jeannie Buss and the brother has destroyed what they built there in Los Angeles. It's not the same. They're going through some of their worst losing and losing seasons since they moved from Minneapolis. Laker fans love Kobe. I'm not saying they don't. But I'll tell you what, man. Eagle fans, they absolutely love Jalen Hurts. And even after that loss, even after that fumble, there's more reverence for him now than him even going into that game. Kudos to him. One of the greatest things that he does and one of the greatest things that he has established, he can connect with everybody. And I think that is the Tom Brady golden road in the yellow brick road to success. Remember something, I told you this before. Brady used to put the big and problem childs and the biggest problem childs around him and put their lockers right next to him. Aaron Hernandez, Antonio Brown, um, the, the, the running back from Cincinnati. What was his name? Benson. 
Cedric Benson. He put all the hammerheads right next to him because he knew he needed them to win. There's something about Jalen that makes you root for him. That mural, I think this stuff's only going to get bigger. It's how he conducts himself, how he answers things. Jalen Hurts has been trained and trained his whole life for this moment in his life, and he's taking full advantage of it. He's not letting anything slip through his fingers now because you know why? It slipped through his fingers in Alabama. He, he learned so – I think he learned – more from that Alabama experience than anything he could have ever learned in his entire life. I think the two most profound moments in his career was losing the national championship game and losing the Super Bowl because it's fuel on the fire. Corey Dillon, thank you, Chris. That's the guy. Corey Dillon. Absolutely. Kudos to him how he's handling himself. All right. I want, I, I want to make sure that I underscore a comment that I made yesterday about the Eagles maybe potentially taking a look at Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. And everybody on my Twitter page, at Dan Cilio Show, is like, isn't that a lateral move? No, dingbats. He's not the coordinator in Kansas City. He's not. He's an assistant coordinator in Kansas City. Lateral move? He's not the play caller. How are people so blind to that? They actually think that Eric Bieniemy is the play caller in Kansas City and the architect of putting design plays together? You're out of your mind. He's not. Eric Bieniemy is going to interview for the same job in Washington, D.C., why would he go to Washington and not Philly? Same job. But it's not the same job. It's not the same job. He doesn't really have a job in Kansas City. He's a guy who's an assistant to the offensive coordinator who's the head coach. That's what his job is. That's his job description. That's why, hey, figure this out. It's no longer about Eric Bieniemy's past that's getting in the way. How can Shane Steichen, how can Jonathan Gannon spend two years in Philly never having been a coordinator, never having been a coach, as a head guy at any level, Get an NFL head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy. Ask yourself that. Only the idiots make it in the race. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got everything to do with perception. Everything to do with perception. Nobody gives a shit what your skin color is any longer. They want the best guy available. So you're trying to tell me no one would hire Mike Tomlin if he got fired in Pittsburgh in 10 seconds. Come on, man. Give me a break. Mike, 
Tony Dungy got a job in two hours after he was fired in Tampa. Two hours. Jim Mersey and Polian, Bill Polian called him up and goes, what do you need? Had a job in two hours. That's a fact. Yeah, I guess the Houston Texans are real racist. They fired, like you said, D'Amico. Come on, man. It's got nothing to do with race. But only the race baiters will make it into race. It's got everything to do with the fact no one believes he's the coordinator in Kansas City or has anything to do with Patrick Mahomes. It's the only way he doesn't have a job. But yet he's interviewing in Kansas City, or excuse me, in Washington for the same job. And yet people on my Twitter are going, it's a lateral move. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's where you have your race bait. That's race baiting. Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job as a head guy because of his past. And no one believes him. No one believes him to the extent that he calls plays. He doesn't. Eric Bieniemy had nothing to do with the second half of that Super Bowl. Zero. Why should I give him a head coaching job? At least Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen had something to do with the Eagles' success all season long. Bieniemy had nothing to do with it. Actually, in the end, being under Andy Reid is a curse to Eric Bieniemy. He's got to leave. He's got to leave. Why not Philly? And so, you know, everyone's like, Sam Howell. Really? How do you know Derek Carr doesn't land there? How do you know Aaron Rodgers doesn't land there? How do you, how do you know that they're going to, hey, that's a good public thing they're going to say, Sam Howell. It's the right thing to say. Why would you diminish somebody who you might want to trade later on as you get closer to the trading deadline? Someone goes, no thanks. So you'd rather sit there with those shitty quarterbacks you have in Washington. Really? No thanks. No thanks. You don't have a quarterback, a redeeming quality of anybody in that building in Washington, D.C. Shit, man. I'll take anybody. I'll take the backup in Baltimore. I mean, Eric Bieniemy. the more he sits in Kansas City, he'll never get a job. He'll never get a job. And then you put Bieniemy in the division with the Eagles. Giants are going to get better. Washington's going to get better. I think Dallas gets worse. Come on, man. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got everything to do with perception. No one believes him. It's probably, I'll tell you what, he's never really had a sniff. Why? Because he's black or because nobody believes he's the play caller? What do you think it is? All right. I got a list of candidates for. And by the way, let's do this here first. 
What coordinator do you think that the Eagles have lost will be felt the most? Okay? You tell me. You tell me, what coordinator do you feel will have the biggest impact on the Eagles in 2023? Jamison says Shane Steichen. <laughs> go Sixers, go. Neither. <laughs> DC, Shane, they should at least the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. They were part of the journey. That's what got them those jobs. And they're analytical guys. You know, these owners now and front offices and general managers want to work with people who work with analytics. Okay? These old school general managers and these old school defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators, that's a thing of the past. You're not going to see those old school guys hired anymore. Guys, you need to be more progressive. Okay? You need to be more progressive. Shane deserved to get hired. Did he? You think he was that great a play caller? Boy, I don't. I think most of that stuff was all Jalen Hurts. RPO is not play calling. RPO is more trust. Shane trusted Jalen Hurts. That's why those plays worked. RPO. So you're trying to tell me when Jalen Hurts is taking that ball out and he's seeing the safety or the linebacker, Shane Steichen's in his ear telling him at the split second whether to throw it or keep it? Come on, man. That's decision-making by the quarterback. has nothing to do with the guy in the sidelines. Zero. Now, they designed this system for Jalen to basically play schoolyard football. And he's smart enough to keep it inside the rails. That's the difference between Josh Allen Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. Jalen keeps it in the room. Those other guys go off the reservation. Jalen Hurts is your OC. Jalen Hurts is your offensive coordinator. He basically is your own play caller. So I don't think Shane Steichen at all. I don't think Steichen's going to be missed one second. This is not like Frank Reich. I don't think Shane has missed at all. Your offensive coordinator's Jalen Hurts. It's not Shane Steichen. How can, fundamentally, how can that be in an RPO system? He can't be the play caller. <laughs> Jalen, watch this. You see what True down here says? Hey, man. Jalen Hurts got Shane Steichen paid. He sure did. Jalen Hurts put the work in. Jalen Hurts did the studying. Jalen Hurts understood the RPO. Jalen Hurts knew. Can I tell you the biggest thing that I think Jalen Hurts did this year? And again, I'll tell you something. This has got nothing to do with ability. Jalen Hurts worked on all the things this year that had nothing to do with ability and had everything to do with not making the shitty mistake. He protected the ball. He read his keys. That's film work. It takes no athletic ability to be prepared. Jalen 
was so prepared for every game. That's why we never really saw a bad football game from him all year because he was prepared. He knew what a team could and couldn't do. That's why the Chicago game had me perplexed a little. You were throwing the ball against a football team that was 31st against the run. You're trying to protect your guy as you're getting closer to the postseason. What do they do? They get him banged up in an RPO. I'm like, why? There's no point to that. You basically should have ran the 49er game plan at Chicago. That's what the Bills did. The Bills ran the ball on them for 235 yards. I think Josh Allen had like 140 yards in that game throwing. The situational play calling to me at the end of the season by the coaching staff, I thought was a little loose and I thought it was a little off the reservation. Okay. Here's some candidates. Let's start on the offensive side. Boy, is Brian Johnson sitting in a good place now. He's known the guy since he was four years old. You're going to have to keep him there because I'll tell you what, wouldn't shock me if Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon have both made a play for the guy. And I don't know what the parameters are around assistant coaches, but you got to get permission to speak if you're under contract. So you just can't bring a guy with you unless you're giving him an additional role of assistant head coach. Here's what the Eagles do. The Eagles say that Brian Johnson will be the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. Nobody can talk to him. Nobody could talk to him. You can't, unless you're giving him a head job, that's the next step. That's why they add that additional tag. You know why? Because the NFL has a rule on assistant coaches. You can't really make lateral moves unless given permission by the organization. And that's what Andy Reid has given Eric Bieniemy. He's given him permission to seek other opportunities. By the way, they want him back. I put Eric Bieniemy's name on this list as an offensive coordinator candidate. Okay? I mean, I put his name in there. Would I put Matt Nagy? Maybe. Nagy's a heck of a, he's a heck of an assistant coach. Remember something. Don't be, don't be jaded by an assistant coach getting a head job and sucking. There's been a lot of assistant coaches who just can't handle being a head coach and are great. I think Lovey Smith is a great assistant coach. I don't really think Love. I think Jim Caldwell is a good head coach. I think Lovey's spotty. Okay. But as a, as a defensive coordinator, he's spectacular. Lovey's a good coach. Head coach, you know? Hey, Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett's a good coordinator. Head coach, obviously not. Same with Wade, too. Right, Sixers. Wade Phillips is an assistant coach. He's spectacular. As a head guy, marginal. Marginal. And certain guys know who they are. Jeff Stoutland's not going to be a head coach. Jim Johnson was never going to be a head coach. You know why? They knew who they were. 
And for the record, how good a head coach is really Buddy Ryan? How, how good a head coach? He had such a great and dominating defense. He could care less about the offensive side. He just basically said this, hey, Randall, do what you want to do. Win games. We're good. Never had the money to put in the O-line. They really didn't really do anything creative-wise. It was all Randall, man. I mean, Buddy was – I mean, Buddy in Arizona. <laughs> I mean, right? Buddy in Arizona. Buddy was a great coordinator. Head coach? Rex, too. Absolutely. Rex, too. So I, I think this is very simple. Brian Johnson, elevate him, assistant head coach. Give him a bump in pay, obviously. Pay him about $3 million. You're going to have to. And he's going to be one of the new hot candidates that will get an opportunity to become a head football coach in National Football League. i got to give this, too, to the Eagles, man. I'll tell you one thing about the Eagles coaches. This goes back to Howie and goes back to Jeffrey Lurie. Look at the guys that are in the league now, general manager-wise and head coaching-wise. Andrew Berry's the general manager of Cleveland. Joe Douglas is the general manager of the Jets. Assistant GM, Andy Wall in Pittsburgh. Now you've got uh, Steichen as a head coach. You've got Gannon as a head coach. You've got Reed as a head coach. You've got Doug Peterson as a head coach. Shit, you even got Chip Kelly as a head coach with UCLA. All these coaches that have been in the building, all are now head guys or have been head guys. Pretty damn impressive. Even Chip has done a nice job with UCLA. Even Chip. I mean, they're not USC, but they're not bad. They're better than what they were when he took them over. All these coaches and front office personnel people have have elevated their game. Frank Reich, right. Frank Reich, head coach, Carolina. This is all from the Philadelphia Eagle tree. I'll tell you something. Whoever gets the coordinating jobs in Philadelphia is your next candidates to be head coach somewhere. Even though they wore their welcome out, Doug, division champion, Andy Reid, Hall of Fame. Chip Kelly, Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Howie Roseman, Executive of the Year. Pretty good. This all goes back to the Eagle management. Management is great in Philadelphia. Look at their track record. People who leave Philly have great success. When it comes to being general managers or it comes to being head coaches. Or I should say maybe great opportunities for success. It's a great organization. Look at, look at the Eagle organization compared to the Cowboy organization. I mean, nobody. When you... I mean, Jason Garrett? Really? You're going to hire him? 
Look at the bums they had. You know why? Because Jerry doesn't want to develop coaches or front office. Per- Who has ever come out of the Cowboy personnel department and gone somewhere else and developed the football team? The Eagles have good people in the front office. That's what the Giants used to have. Under Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin, okay, and Wellington Mayor, they used to have really great people in that front office. They're getting back to that. I think now the guy they hired from Buffalo and along with the head coach, Brian Dable, they're getting back to that. It's got to start with front office and management, and that shit all trickles down. The Eagles know what they're doing when they're hiring. I'll give Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie this. They make great hires. You know, you may not like the press conference. Shit, I went back and looked. You all hated the Andy Reid hire. Andy who? This guy's a fat quarterback coach up in Green Bay. He guys took a shit on him too. It's, it's, I guess it's. It's the nature of the beast when you do that because you never heard the guy's name. You shit on people. Andy who? Uh, Nick? Nick who? Sounds like a pizzeria in South Philly. Now you're like, wow. So when they make these hires, I do think they do their due diligence. I do think they follow protocol when it comes to the Rooney rule because you know why I think the front office is always looking for the right guy why should they knee jerk right now they got time to evaluate let them do their job I say this when it comes to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie if it takes you a month or two months to hire a coordinator so be it you know why you've always landed on the right guy if they were fucking up and not landing on the right guys then we could sit here and bitch on it and until they, like I said, Chip didn't work out. He did have a couple. He did have a winning record in Philly. And he's not doing bad at UCLA. He just wasn't an NFL guy. Okay. Neither was Nick Saban. Neither were so many guys that tried to make that leap. Steve Spurrier wasn't an NFL guy. I trust him. I trust them to make the right hires as coordinators. Here's the defensive guys. I put a list together. These are guys that I like that are around the league. Lovey Smith, a lot of you guys like him. Does Lovey want to do it? You know, Lovey's got two years on his contract remaining at $9 million a year. Would you come take a coordinator job? Or would you sit back? with 9 million bucks in your pocket. I think this comes down to the love of the game. When you want to take a year off and at least sit back and kind of like recharge, kind of the same way that Doug Peterson did, right? Just recharge. Or do you want to get back into it? Some guys want to get right back into it. Look at Frank. Frank went right back into it. He was owed a boatload of money. Shit, he had three years on his... Deal remaining at $9 million. He got right back into it. David Tepper and Jim Mercer worked the deal, and he's right back in the game. You guys keep bringing Seth Joyner's name up. Why do you want Seth Joyner as your defensive coordinator? By the way, Seth will be on next Tuesday. I love Seth Joyner. 
no shade on Seth on what I'm going to say, but why do you guys want Seth Joyner as your um, your coordinator? Why would you, why would you want him? Because it reminds you of Buddy Ryan. Those days are gone, folks. That style of defense is gone. It's gone. Okay, you can't play defense like that anymore in today's game. Not with today's rules. Intensity, details, those are all true. Joiner's tough, true. His heart, okay. And by the way, for the record, I have absolutely no problem with Seth Joiner being the defensive coordinator, never having been a coordinator before, or really a, an assistant coach before. I have no problem with that. If you could give Jeff Saturday the head coaching job in Indianapolis like that, I don't have a problem with a guy who's actually a guy who's better than that. I have no problem. If you could do it for Jeff Saturday, you can do that for Seth Joyner. I have no problem. Hey, Steve Nash was never a head coach. They gave it to him. Steve Kerr was never a head coach. He had been an assistant with Popovich, and he had been around Jordan. I get it. There was a little bit of a climb there for him. So I understand it. But remember something. The Golden State Warriors hired Steve Kerr out of the broadcast booth. Do you want to know something else? I mean, Pat Riley was hired by the Lakers to run Showtime. He was the assistant on the broadcast team for the Lakers. Pat Riley was a broadcaster when he got the Laker job. He was a broadcaster. As a matter of fact, he was like co-head coach with Jerry West. Then Jerry didn't want to do it, and they gave it to Riley, and the rest is history. Five titles. So I don't have a problem with Seth, but here's the problem. Eagle management doesn't want that attitude in the building. They don't want that adversarial relationship that they had with Doug Peterson. Seth is like Doug. Why would they want to walk back over that bridge? Why, do, why would Howie want to be in an arm wrestling match every Sunday with Seth? Because Seth is going to have his ways and he's going to be set in his ways. And the thing that I probably would see that would give Seth problems is that Seth doesn't have a lot of latitude. You know why? Buddy Ryan didn't have latitude. How about when he punched Kevin Gilbride on the sideline when he was there in Houston? Uh, Jack Pardee had to get in between those guys. Remember when Buddy punched him? Buddy's, Buddy wasn't going to take any shit from anybody. Seth's not either. Do you want that in your building? STN goes, the Eagles need this. Why? They got to the Super Bowl with a friendly environment inside the locker room. Would, here, would Seth adapt? The Eagles aren't going to adapt. That's evident. They shipped Doug Peterson's ass out of town. They're not changing. Seth would have to change. They're not going to change for Seth Joyner to be the defensive coordinator. They're not going to make, they're not going to make, um, you know, cut side deals with him on, hey, we'll do this. We'll give you more. They're not going to do any of that. <laughs> See this guy here? He goes like this. John goes, Sills is jealous of Seth. No, you're right. Seth will bend the way the organization wants him to bend. You're right. Another blind Eagle fan. 
Let me throw this at you here. By the way, I think it'd be a horrible idea to hire Seth Joyner as a defensive coordinator. You know why? Because Seth wouldn't get his way on how he wants to run his defense. They would never let him do what he wanted. If they'll fire Doug Peterson, they'll never hire Seth Joyner. Don't you get it? Doug's a better coach than Nick. They got the lesser coach on the sideline because they don't want that attitude. Hey, would I play for Seth? Absolutely. Do I think Seth Joyner would be a great DC? I do, but not in Philly. It's not going to happen. Seth would never be able to run the scheme and the defense he wanted. He, he, he would never. Do I think he's got a great defensive mind? Absolutely. Do I think he'd be a great coordinator? If, if, given, if given the ability and autonomy to do what he wanted, yes. Tone goes, if these people think Howie would bring in Seth, they are fools. It'll implode in six months. It has nothing to do with Seth as the man. Howie runs the show, period. Amen. This is Howie Roseman's show. This isn't Nick Sirianni's show. This isn't going to be Howie Roseman's last Seth Joyner show. Don't you understand that? He doesn't share. He fired the guy who wanted to share it with. And guess what? You fired a head coach who's better than the head coach you have now. Actually, in the last three head coaches you've had, two of them you fired. One of them's going to the Hall of Fame, and the other one's building a Hall of Fame resume. You fired both of them. Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. This is Howie's show. Always has been, always will be. That's why a guy like Lovey Smith, that doesn't fit the makeup of Howie. God forbid. I don't see how you guys throw these crazy names out. Vic Fangio, never. Now, he likes his input, obviously. Wouldn't shock me if they made kind of a play for Vic before he took the Miami Dolphin gig. STN goes like this. Here it is right here. See what STN said right there? See that right there, Tone? How he wants to win. STN, how he wants to win Howie's way. Not your way. Howie Roseman wants to win his way. And his way has been successful. Two Super Bowl appearances in five years. Most wins in the NFC East since 2000. Combined on the rest of the teams. Picking the right quarterback, potentially. Being the most dominant team in the NFC East. He's got the resume. And he's built up the equity with the owner. He's going to win those arguments. He's got to go. Okay. Jeffrey Lurie trusts Howie Roseman more than he trusted Doug Peterson. That's why Doug was given his walking papers. And you think Seth Joyner's coming in? Give me a break. Howie wants to win his way. Not your way. I got another guy. Now... I think Denard Wilson is probably going to get the job because they're going to hire from within. Why would they hire Wilson? Anybody have an idea? Why would they hire Wilson, one of the assistant coaches in, the, in Philadelphia? Why would they hire Wilson as the coordinator? Why would they hire him? 
Why would they hire him? Why would they hire Denar Wilson as the coordinator? You guys have an idea? Why would they hire him? Comp picks? Cheap? Picks? Company man? How he hired him? How he thinks now that he's got the new bloodline on coaches in the NFL and general managers? How he wants to develop another NFL head coach? How he hired this guy? Nick Sirianni didn't. This is a Howie guy. You want Howie to go outside the building on somebody he brought in on a football team that just took a team to the NFC Championship and think he's going to go out of house? Give me a break. Both coordinators are going to be elevated from within. They're not going out of house. They're not going to want to upset the apple cart. They like the environment in their building at the Novacare Center now. Why would they? Why would you change that? Why would they change that to bring Lovey Smith in and put in a whole new environment and a whole, and by the way, personally, it makes more sense because you still don't know what's going on with free agency. So the guy in the building, Wilson, will go along with exactly what the personnel department and the general manager's office is going to do. He'll go along right with it. Because to me, if you were going to go out and hire a general manager or excuse me, a defensive coordinator, wouldn't you want with all these free agents, who do you need? I don't need him. I don't want him. I don't need him. I want him. I want him. I don't need him. You get to handpick the personnel in these free agent deals and you could tell them, but how he wants to run the room. Sometimes you want to shake things up. Didn't they shake things up at four wins? They fired the coach and got rid of the quarterback. I don't know about shaking shit up, but that seems to be the biggest shakeup you can get. Lovey Smith makes no sense. Why would you bring in Lovey Smith when your defense was one of the top units and you got a guy in your staff you trust? What does Howie Roseman know about Lovey Smith? Has he ever been around him? Has he ever coached with him? Come on, man. And he's not an analytical guy. He's not. And by the way, how about the shit job that he did on the Houston Texans? Winning that final game and going for it on fourth down. Sticking it to the organization. You know, if they lose that game, they get the number one overall pick. Instead, Chicago gets it. You think that's a good sign that Howie would sign that guy, knowing that that guy's got a little bit of get back in him in case something goes sideways in Philly? Come on, man. Use your brains. Anybody but Gannon. All of a sudden, a parting gift from Lovey Smith out the door. I think we'll win this game and not have the number one overall pick. Give it to Chicago. Yeah, that's a guy Howie would sign as as defensive coordinator. Yeah, sounds right. Somebody who would backstab the organization. 
Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so what, it, what? What? So you guys want to? You guys think that Howie Roseman will sign a guy who effed over the Texans in the final game of the season for the number one overall pick? Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at Steve. Lovey doesn't take any shit. Well, he's out then. Because you got to take shit in Philly. If you're a coach, you got to take shit in Philly. That's why Lovey and Seth are not on the list. Denard Wilson Eagles probably gets the job. Brian Johnson probably gets the job. I got, I mean, look, I threw Mike Zimmer's name. Mike's an old school guy. He's a good defensive-minded guy. He's really good. I just don't see a fit there. Eric Washington, um, he worked with Sean McDermott, assistant head coach. He's a D-line coach in Buffalo. He kind of has the same fundamentals that Sean McDermott has defensively. Sean McDermott is a former assistant coach. In Philadelphia, there's a relationship with Sean McDermott and Howie and the owner. They're all friends. That could be a call if they're going. This is maybe going out of house. Someone like Eric Washington, young, analytical, works with the front office. Very good. Jared Mayo, Patriots linebacker coach. You know, I'll tell you something about the assistant coaches that have been in New England. They're all great assistants. They're not great head coaches. I would never hire a person from Bill Belichick's coaching tree as a head coach. As an assistant coach, I would. Name me one coach he's ever developed. Bill O'Brien? And then who? Charlie Weiss? Romeo Cornell, name me a guy that has been on that coaching staff in all those years up there where you went like this. He is a Brian Flores is probably the best. Brian Flores and Bill O'Brien are probably the best. The rest of those guys are turds as head coaches. I would never hire a Bill Belichick assistant coach to be my head coach if I owned an NFL team. There's no track record of massive success. None. Shit, Bill Parcells has more success with assistant coaches who have been on his tree. I'll tell you, somebody else does too. Jay Gruden. He had both Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. He had the guy, Matt LaFleur. They were all in Washington. Guess who hired him? Jay Gruden. Hired all those assistants. Those were all his guys. Mike Vrabel did not coach in New England. He played in New England. He never was an assistant coach in New England for Bill Belichick, ever. That's a misnomer. Mike Vrabel played in New England. Shane goes, question, do you think we go downhill next year or elevate? Good question. I'll get to that. 
So I got Jared Mayo on this list. This is if they go out of the organization. Sean DeCisa, Seahawks, assistant head coach. Love this guy. One of the top resumes, and he's a young dude. And I love the way Pete Carroll does defense. Pete Carroll has a lot of great assistants that have gone on to do really great things. Okay? A lot of great things. So, again, look, I think they're staying in-house. But personally, there's a lot of great coordinators and a lot of great candidates that are out there that could take this job. But this is going to come down to this is going to come down to Howie. This is Howie's show. Nick has no input in this. Yeah, he may have a couple comments and maybe a couple suggestions. But this is going to be Howie wrote. Who can Howie work with? Not who can Nick work with. How many people believe truly in your heart that Nick Sirianni gave up the play calling duties? How many people believe that? Do you really think that Nick Sirianni had any kind of say when he was two and five in Philly and people were screaming for his head that he had any equity to go like this? Hey, I'm just going to give up the play calling. Or do you think that was a front office decision? That's a front office decision. That was a front office move. That was Howie. That was Howie. They forced the hand. And get this. It was the, once again, personnel decisions by the Eagles. What did Shane Steichen do since play caller? He's 26 and four. Do you understand that Shane Steichen, Shane Steichen, not counting the Super Bowl, won 26 of 30 games as the offensive coordinator. You're going to get a job with that number. Totally Howie's world. Okay? Somebody asked the question, do I think that you guys will take a step back? Not because of your coaches, but because of free agency. Do I think, here, now I'm going to be fair here before I say that. Do I think the Eagles take a step back? Well, let's, let's look at the landscape. Let's do this. How much better do you think? Because remember something, to get to a Super Bowl, you first have to win your division. Win your division. Build your team around your division. Then you could start talking Super Bowl again. Will the Eagles be better than Dallas? By far. Dallas is looking up. Washington. Who knows what the owner is going to do in a couple months? Who's the new owner going to be? What direction are they going to go? Are they going to fire Ron Rivera? Are they going to fire Jack Del Rio? What are they going to do? Are they going to hire Eric Bieniemy? Maybe Bieniemy gets the job in Washington as the head coach. That's why, personally, guys, I think they're bringing Eric Bieniemy in for the new owner. And they'll fire Ron Rivera, and they'll fire Del Rio, and they'll put Bieniemy in there as head coach. Okay? I think it's kind of like a safety valve for whoever the new owner is. But Washington, they're going to get better. The Giants are going to get better. But how much better are they going to be than the... 
Will the Eagles beat the Giants next year? Yes. Will the Eagles beat Washington next year? Probably one and one again. Will the cow? Will they beat the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean they're favored to go two and zero against them. Say they're one and one. Okay. So again, you're four and two in the division. You're still going to win it. Then you look around the landscape. What does Aaron Rodgers do? If Rodgers goes to the Jets or the Raiders, who's left in the NFC that threatens the Eagles? The 49ers. I think Minnesota takes a step back. Who who else? Let's see. If Derek Carr goes to New Orleans, I don't know, maybe. Green Bay, maybe. I, but again, I'm talking, if Rodgers leaves, who, who, who in the NFC? 49ers, the Seahawks? I don't think the NFC is going to get that much better if the Eagles take a dip in talent on the roster. So do I think the Eagles are going to – watch this. The Eagles could probably have a better season next year and not have the same record. Have you ever seen that before? I've seen it before. Because you're playing tougher teams. Detroit, Rams if healthy, okay. Carolina, maybe, depending on what they do at quarterback, but it's going to be a rookie or a free agent. So I would say this to you. Do the Eagles really have to make a ton of moves to still remain one and two right there with the Niners? Niners still have to figure out that quarterback. So you'd say Philly still won. And depending on what happens in Green Bay. Shit, you got the Bears talking about potentially packaging up Justin Fields to draft Bryce Bryce Young and then send Fields somewhere. You got a lot of teams in the NFC. So say the Eagles lose four or five free agents and quality free agents. Is that... Is that still going to dip them down enough? Plus, Hertz is going to continue to get better. You're not losing any of your wideouts. You're not losing your tight end. You're running back. I'd have gave that guy a Greyhound ticket back from Glendale. He sucked so bad. You know, of all the guys that I was disappointed in the Super Bowl, he's the biggest disappointment from the Super Bowl for me was Miles Sanders. What a disaster. Completely disappointed in him. I wouldn't even offer him a contract. I'd let him walk out the building. Wouldn't even, wouldn't even give him the satisfaction of talking to him about a contract. So to me, guys, how much better do you think the NFC is going to get? Do you think they close the gap on the Eagles? Do you guys think anybody, the 49ers are going to be the team with the best roster but you're going to have the better quarterback. They're not losing anybody. Okay. You're going to lose people. You're probably going to, it's going to, Hey, you're going to kind of be like Kansas city and Philly. You're going to have the better quarterback. Okay. Like Kansas city had the better quarterback than you. And you had the better roster. Well, the better quarterback won that Super Bowl, not the better roster. And you're going to have the better quarterback than San Francisco. But San Francisco is going to have the better roster because they're not losing anyone. They're going to give an extension to Boza. 
Look at look at look at the NFC. I don't see the NFC catching Philly yet. So when 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 a person goes, Dan, do you think we take a step back? You might take a step back in wins, but this is not about winning rounds and winning games. This is about getting to the Super Bowl. If you have two less wins, do you care? If you get back to the Super Bowl and you're in Las Vegas, Super Bowl's in Vegas. Do you care? I wouldn't care. Brian, I'm going to get to that here in a minute. Right? So, you know, I, I, I was sitting there going, well, man, the Eagles are going to be a completely different team. But then I started thinking, you know what, though? Okay, so say they lose, say, Amalo. And it looks like you're going to. Because he's going to get $12 million in the open market. He could, he's going to start at 95% of the teams that offer him a contract. And he's going to make big money. He's going to sign a big-time extension. You're losing him. It's, you're, you're not keeping him. That's a shame because he's good, even though I thought Chris Jones kicked his ass. I thought Chris Jones kicked his ass. The problem you have now is if Kelsey retires. So the middle of your offensive line is gone. And to sit here and say that Cam Jurgens is going to put Pro Bowl effort in there, that's a reach. That's a reach. I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying he won't. I don't know. We're talking potential. Remember what I tell you all the time about potential. That's something you haven't done yet. Every time I hear someone use the word potential, that to me is a red flag because potential hasn't been seen yet. That's a guess. That's a guess. Yeah, Patriot. Cam Jurgens is a raw talent. That's potential. It's got everything to do with maybe. That's not a given. I got some really sad news for you about one thing, though, that Howie completely failed on. And we're going to do that at the top. And it wasn't, you know, I've been telling you about this particular thing that Roseman was terrible at last year. And now other people are picking up on it. And I'm going to tell you what he was brutal at last year. And it could affect the team's success coming into 2023. Okay? And by the way, I had a couple conversations with some people at Clutch. I might as well tell you now. Just so you know. Tone, here we go. Hey, Trev, what are you doing, brother? Clutch Sports in the Philadelphia Eagles over the last few days and a few days prior to the Super Bowl in the bye week have begun contract negotiations with Jalen Hurts' people. And the Eagles have put a preliminary, what is it called, framework down. And it's between 45 and 50 million bucks. So there's a framework. And just like I said, I don't know what the framework is, but it's between 45 and 50 million. Clutch has been in preliminary talks these last few days. Jalen's answered the questions appropriately, as any pro would. But 
Clutch Sports and the Eagles are putting, I want to get the exact wording down, framework for a contract extension with Jalen Hurts between 45 and 50 million per. They told me to make sure that I got the exact language down. Clutch working on the framework of a 45 to $50 million per year deal. I don't know what years are. I don't know if it's going to be back-ended, front-ended. I don't know any of that. Okay? I don't know any of that. I just know that there's been conversation. The bye week and today, yesterday, and it'll probably continue on. Here, 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 here's because I think the Eagles wanted to get to the table right away before Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson set the set the market. And I think this is the appropriate thing to do. And that's why the conversation has been quiet. Because you know why? When you're working on something and you're close to getting it done, you don't want details getting out. I don't, I just know the number. It's between 45 and 50. And it's the framework of the deal that they're working on. So again, when Jeffrey Lurie comes out and says, this is not money driven, you should have read the tea leaves there. This is framework driven. What's the framework of the deal going to look like? Okay. Yeah, Joseph, I agree with that. Because I think Bur- – and I, I've got a little insight on that. I think Burrow's conversations are starting at 55 to $60 million. I already know Lamar Jackson because I know the mother down in South Florida. The Ravens have a $51.3 million deal on the table for Lamar. Lamar wants guarantees like the guy in Cleveland. See, that's the thing holding all of this up right now. It's not the mo- – you guys are looking at – You guys are looking at the wrong deal. It's not the Mahomes deal. You know why? It's team-friendly, and there's a boatload of off-ramps. There's no off-ramps in Cleveland with Watson's deal. All 230s guaranteed. Nobody wants a Mahomes deal. Mahomes is already under market value at $45 Shit, the guy in Arizona just got 46-1. This is about framework. I've got more details on it. I'm going to hit on that and also some interesting stuff on what people are saying about Howie Roseman. Hit the like button. Don't forget, Merrill Reese, who has been so kind to me throughout the entire season, he will join us in the 5.30 hour or at 5.30 in the 5 o'clock hour, third hour of the program. And we'll get his thoughts on what he saw in Super Bowl 57. Got a boatload of stuff to hit on here. We appreciate you coming aboard. I got more details on what Clutch and the Eagles are working on. The framework of the deal. Again, I have very little details. You guys are talking to me about like bonuses and such. I don't know that. I'm not going to lie to you. I only know that they've been talking in the bye week and these last few days. Hour two. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Hour number two. You know, it's funny. I just looked on my Twitter page and people are already going, this guy compared Jalen Hurts to Brock Purdy. Once again, you didn't get the bullshit out of your ears. I said financially, Purdy is going to be a better situation than Jalen Hurts is going to be. You know why? Once again, because Purdy makes 900 grand on a rookie contract and they're not going to lose players. They got to an NFC championship game with him. 
It's more difficult than Philly when you're paying a guy $50 million. I never said he was better. I said it's a better situation. Some can't hear. Some refuse to hear. Some don't want to know the truth and how you continually become successful. The league doesn't want you to have a dynasty and stockpile players. It's designed that way. That's how it is. See, look at Eagle Fan here. You're going to lose Sam Miles Sanders, your entire secondary, and potentially both your linebackers and maybe every defensive tackle you have except for Milton Williams and Jordan Davis. And that idiot thinks you're going to have a better roster than San Francisco. How's that possible? They're not losing anybody. How's that possible? San Francisco will have the same roster intact with rookies that they drafted. You won't. You will not. It is not an opinion. It is fact. Cody asked the question. Why is it designed that way? Why doesn't the NFL want dynasties? Didn't it do good for the NBA in the 80s and 90s? Cody, you had bird and magic, black and white, Celtics and Lakers. That's a whole different dynamic. They saved the NBA. And you had good teams. Sixers were good. Milwaukee was good. Don Nelson had a good team in Milwaukee. Hell, the Golden State Warriors with Mullen was good. Portland Trailblazers were good with Drexler. Hakeem down in Houston. It was more spread out, and guys showed up and played every night. The NBA's problems are not about dynasties. The NBA players don't give a shit about the regular season anymore. Okay? You're not going to have the same roster. Kansas City doesn't. Kansas City has the lesser roster today than they did the first Super Bowl win. Fact. Just goes to show you, Dan, Brian's right. You guys don't know how the NFL works. You fall in love with these players, you should never fall in love. You should have tear. You know what they should have at NFL stadiums every year? Tear away jerseys. You know why? So you could tear the name off the back of the jersey and put a new name on because the NFL doesn't want you stockpiling players. NFL never did it in New England. You can't stockpile players. Why do you think the Steelers don't believe in free agency? They believe in the draft, developing their own from within. Name me a top flight free agent that the Pittsburgh Steelers in the last 50 years have brought in. Let me think. Jerome Bettis. Name me another one. They're going through the circus at quarterback because they're making a transition from Roethlisberger, who was there 17 years. Name me a big-time free agent in Pittsburgh that they brought in ever. 
ever a big-time free agent. They don't believe in it. You know why? It keeps them cheap. It balances the cap. They don't overextend at any position. That's why they win. The Steelers have not had but three coaches since 1969 for a reason. They're the gold standard of how you run an NFL team. They're the gold standard. Best coaches, they develop from within, and the Steelers are always good. Always. Maybe not Super Bowl, but they're always competitive and always win. Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season in, what, 16 years? (laughs) Don't tell me what organization's the gold standard. The gold standard's in Pittsburgh. Always will be. Plus, there's six Super Bowls. (laughs) It's Patrick. (laughs) They make some trades, but free agents... It's not what they do. You know why? Keeps them cheap. You don't have bad contracts in Pittsburgh. Shit, you're Alshon Jeff. You want to hear something that Philly had? This year, you get the Alshon Jeffries $5 billion finally off your books going into the 2023 new year. You had two years of that idiot's contract still on your books. Wasn't even on your team. Shit contract. Shit teammate. Cancer in the locker room. Pick one. <laughs> James Harrison was a free agent signing. He was cut three times by the Baltimore Ravens. He was a guy they signed for nothing. He was cut and signed. They found him walking the street. All right. How many people have faith in Howie Roseman getting ready for the April draft? By the way, real quick, you want to know how fast the NFL season is on you? Do you want to know how fast? February 26th. I believe the combines. Then March free agency starts. What's the one thing? Alshon Jeffrey sucked out loud and was a horrible teammate and a decisive person in the locker room. Awful. And by the way, you cost the Eagles an NFC championship game appearance with your pathetic drop in New Orleans. Pathetic. What an absolute cancer teammate. Um, how many people like Howie Roseman as a draft evaluator? What do you think? What do you what do you what do you think of Howie as 
a talent evaluator when it comes to the NFL draft. Forte says getting better. DC Green says he's horrendous. F, he's bad. Sage says he's good. Not good drafting. I like when he trade. He's good at deals, MJ. He's getting better. He's been suspect. Okay. This is CBS confirming what Big Sills has been telling you about this guy's inability. Yeah, Tone, I want to hear your thoughts. How we better lean on his scouts. Tone, what do you make of Howie as a uh, talent evaluator for the draft? I'll never forgive Rager. He sucks. All right. So CBS came out today and said they went back and drafted or looked at the 2022 NFL draft and ranked the classes. Howie Roseman's rookie class was ranked 30th out of 32 teams. 30th. There's only 32 teams. 30th. That class too early <laughs> 30th. Not Dan. CBS Sports ranked him 30th out of 32. And you think he's a good GM. You trust him with drafting corners? Who's his best? Guys, you guys are the resident historians. I'm learning. Who's the best corner that he's ever drafted? He may need two of them. I I told him to take the kid from Washington. You guys hated him. And he's starting for Kansas City now on a rookie contract at corner. And you got a 32-year-old Slay who's making 18 million bucks. Who's the best cornerback that Roseman's ever drafted? The best corner we have. No, 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 Tone. Not we. Ah, because it was Joe Banner. Lito Shepard was a Banner guy. I looked that up too. I told you guys to take McDuffie. You guys hated it. That's Xander. Xander will tell you. I told you to take the kid Lloyd from Utah and McDuffie from Washington. Oh, those guys suck. They both start. Lito is a Joe Banner guy. Shit, Douglas is on the Packers with a brand new contract extension. Look at these bums, you guys. Look. So he can't draft corners. And you need, that's the, would we not agree that's the top priority? See, Howie Roseman 
picks Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Okay, let's go here now. Who's the best edge rusher Howie Roseman's ever drafted? Did Howie draft Josh Sweat? I like Josh Sweat. I, I like Josh Sweat. I, I, I actually like him. He's picked his game up. Okay. Trent Cole? I thought that was Andy Reid guy. I thought Andy Reid was a Trent. I thought Andy Reid was in the Trent Cole room. Okay. Yeah, how he didn't draft Trent Cole. That's Joe Banner and Reed. So Josh Sweat. Brandon Graham, solid player. Elite? No. No. He's never really drafted an elite pass rusher. So He's not very good at corner. He he was good on sweat, but really, he also had to go to free agency to get an edge rusher. So he has to go to free agency to get corners and edge rushers. Let's move to linebacker. How good is Howie Roseman drafting linebackers? Who's the best linebacker? that Howie Roseman is drafted. So he's not good at corners. Josh Sweat is a good is a good draft. Rest. He had to go get Hassan Reddick. Nicobe Dean is not a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe Dean. I'd rather have Jimmy Dean. <laughs> uh, at least the sausages are better. <laughs> Dude, give, give me Jimmy Dean. Maple, hey, maple syrup style too, please. Hicks? Jordan Hicks. Just face it, Sills. We need to give Howie the day off on draft. Five star. Okay, so wait a minute. So let me, let, hey, do you understand here what's playing out here? So he's not good with linebackers. I'm looking at the draft history for the Eagles over the past several years, and man, it's not that good. Hold up. Whoa. Hey, wait a minute, Tone. You need that draft to rebuild your team and get cheaper. Hold on here. Let's go to defensive tackles. Who drafted Fletcher Cox? Wasn't that a Joe Banner and Andy Reid? Wasn't that Joe Banner and Andy? Hartgrave was a trade, right, with Pittsburgh or something. 
Who's his best D tackle? Tone, did did Fletcher Cox, was he drafted by Howie? Andy Reid. What does he do good? It was Reed's last year when they drafted Fletcher Cox. Shit, Brandon Graham, too, was a Andy Reed and Joe Banner. Those are like some of the last guys remaining from the Reed era, right? Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey. There's not one thing he does well on defensive personnel that makes me think this guy's going to retool that team through the draft. If I'm Howie Roseman, I look at free agency because he's been great at that. He's a great GM at free agency. But when it comes to drafting, he's terrible. Howie's best DT drafted is Milton Williams and Jordan Davis if he pans out. I have no faith in Howie Roseman as general manager in the upcoming April draft. Show me where. Show me where. And Tone, this is for the Twitter guys. You show me one place in the upcoming April draft where Howie Roseman, since he's been in charge of personnel, where you feel comfortable with him picking. He has sucked out loud at cornerback, linebacker, and defensive tackle, and edge rushers. Josh Sweat is developing into a good one. The rest of them stink. Jordan Davis, we don't know yet. On the defensive side, hey, and by the way, you know why you're hitting home runs in the O-line? Jeff Stoutland's helping in the evaluation, which is the smart thing to do. What's Howie Roseman's greatest draft choice on defense since he's been put in charge of defensive personnel or Personnel of the Eagles. Who's his best player? Tone, who's his best player that he's drafted? Josh Sweat? He's not bad. He he could develop into a pro bowler. Okay? He he could. I I, I like the player. One defensive player that Howie Roseman has drafted where you went, that guy's a stud. Name me one. And I'll go, oh, you're right. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham were drafted by Joe Banner and Andy Reid, not by Howie. Miss...
So CBS is onto something here. Howie Roseman in the April draft. You know why Howie Roseman won the last April draft? Because he traded for A.J. Brown. Got a first-round pick for it. You might want to go into free agency because he's excellent at it. Howie is excellent at free agency. There's no denying that. It was a list of grand slams last year. Stick to it. Would we not agree the Rams do the same thing in theory? The only thing that the Eagles don't do, and they're smart to do this, they don't give these three-year contract extensions like to Jalen Ramsey and other guys that come into the place where their cap gets annihilated. That's not what he does. Tony just said that the best pick in Howie Roseman's time as his general manager and in charge of personnel defensively is Josh Sweat. Not a bad pick. But it is a nosedive from that player to the next. It's a nosedive. He's terrible at corners. He's terrible at linebacker. He's terrible at defensive tackle. He's a D at edge rusher. All your impact players last year were free agents. Your wide receiver. Your edge rusher. Both your corners. Those are your impact players. You didn't draft them. They were mercenaries. Edwards was not a draft choice. He was a free agent sign. He was undrafted, which basically meant you got lucky. Andy and Banner left at the end of the 2012 season. Chip was here for 2013 to 15. Howie didn't have full control until 16, the Carson Wentz draft. That's the progression. 2016. He's terrible picking defensive personnel. He's terrible at picking defensive coordinators. <laughs> I think it goes hand in hand. So basically, he's still relatively new at his talent evaluating thing, right? Then why would you put a guy who's relatively, let me use Tone's word, relatively new at drafting a team that you have to rebuild in the offseason? <laughs> and you gave him a contract extension. Because he got you to the Super Bowl. Because you know why? He went out in free agency and covered all of his mistakes. Using the When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. There's money on cheap deals. Pretty slick. It's not how you build a dynasty, though. It's not how you build a dynasty. Could that team be a four-win team in three years? Yeah. Some bad moves, some injuries, lack of depth, quarterback making a lot of money. Could you be a four-win team? Yeah. You could be just like the Rams, but not in salary cap hell like them. That's the difference here. Tones like this, never let it unnoticed how he's the money guy and damn a lawyer. He moves the way he does for a reason. Sounds like a snake to me. That's how snakes move. Because lawyers move like snakes. Matt says, Sills, per NBC Sports, how he has only hit on two first-round picks, Cox and Devontae Smith. I'm being told Fletcher Cox was not a Howie Roseman draft. Here. We'll end it right now. What year was Fletcher Cox drafted by the Eagles? 2012? Dude. Who was the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2012? Howie Roseman. According to some information... That's right, Tone. Tone, there was two... Tone, there was two stints he had as GM. He took over early, like in the early 2000s, I thought. Then there was a gap. Then he came back. Okay, because was 2012. So he he got if he got Fletcher. Fletcher was a great pick. Um. Okay, it's, it's a mistake. Relax. Okay, wait a minute. That doesn't. Hey, Tone, don't worry about it. His one Fletcher Cox deal. Yeah, 2010 to 14 as GM, then got elevated in 15 after Chip left. Okay, that that I thought there were two stints. However, hey, Tone, Fletcher Cox is not going to cover this guy's shitty drafting history. It's not. Josh Sweat and Fletcher Cox don't cover shit on defense. <laughs> two picks in 20 years? That doesn't cut it. L for Howie as a drafter on defense. L, big L, not little L, big L. Hey, hey, Tone, what's his tone? Hey, you were wrong on Fletcher. So Fletcher and Josh, the rest of them, 
hey, that made it better over 20 years. He's only had two guys that panned out on defense. The rest of them had all been free agents. Joseph goes, I have a better draft history than Howie. So, for all this being said, you feel comfortable with Howie Roseman rebuilding this team through what? 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 Don't you think that the history of the Eagles is more in free agency than in the draft? So this is what I would do. I would trade those picks down or trade them like they did for A.J. Brown. Go out and get maybe an interior D lineman or maybe go out and get an experienced linebacker like the kid in Tampa. He's 25 years old. Maybe you bring those guys in and you make them part of your foundation because trusting Howie at corner or linebacker or defensive tackle is a reach. Is a reach. He sucks. The 2022 class, in my opinion, as of February 15th, is a bust. Am I wrong? We got to wait and see. Jesus criminy. You had 20 games. Nobody got on the field if your name is Kobe Dean. That guy couldn't even get on the – wait a minute. You know what really even is crazy? Kobe Dean didn't even make an impact in those shitty special teams. And I'm suggest- and you're trying to suggest to me he's going to take over for Kaiser White and have an impact on the one through three downs defense? Every Sunday? How could you think that? Wait a minute. He'll be better, Sills. He'll be better in the defensive scheme than he was in special teams. He was a nobody in special teams. Nobody. Terrible draft. CBS got him ranked. 30th of 32 teams. I'm going to show you something else here. By the way, Joey Porter Jr., I think he's kind of slow. You ask me, I think he's kind of slow. Okay? I got to see more film on him. But I think he's kind of slow. For a corner. And they kind of played him at Penn State like a Wolverine. They kind of played him all over the field. Small version of a linebacker. Dropped him in the corner. And again, once again, quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Let's see. That overrated C.J. Stroud and who? Iowa? (laughs) Indiana? Shit, Michigan don't even have a quarterback. Michigan State? Name me another quarterback in the Big Ten outside of C.J. Stroud. Name me one. Name me one. See, look at look at what somebody just said. Big Sills hating today. How am I hating? I'm pointing out facts. That, that see, that's the controversial thing that people always get sideways on when you start pointing out reality. Wait, you hated the fact that I pointed out that Howie Roseman's a terrible draft evaluator? That's Haiti? Or so you you'd rather have me sit here throwing rose petals at the guy's drafts 
that aren't true? Huh. STN goes, Joey Porter's locked up Ohio State. Wow. Oof. Yeah, Ryan Day has that program headed in the right direction. What's Ryan Day done since he's been the head coach at Ohio State? Got to beat Michigan, dude. You can't even beat a quarterback at Michigan who won't even make it in the XFL. <laughs> hey, Michigan is beating Ohio State with XFL quarterbacks. <laughs> hey, <laughs> right? You're, they're losing. Okay. One thing I'll say, silly, or at least needing a quarterback. <laughs> That's a true statement. It makes the talent that makes the drafting a lot easier when you don't have to draft a quarter. I still think they draft a quarterback though in latter rounds. Let me show you something too. What's probably still eating at many fans um, about the Super Bowl here. Still said, name me one great defensive player, how we drafted. We said Cox. Okay, you're right. Cox covers all the shitty drafts that he's had. Here, well, I'll tell you what, Eagle. I'll, I'll rephrase it. You tell me how he's been as a talent evaluator in the NFL draft. He named me, Flet he named me Fletcher Cox. Fantastic. Brandon Graham. No one else. Good night. He's been there 20 years. He sucks. Zero corners, zero linebackers, one edge rusher and one DT. This guy will have you believe that it's a good, he's a good talent drafter. <laughs> Let me point this out to you. Hardgrave, 13 million bucks. Reddick. 15 million bucks. Cox, 14 million bucks. 43 million bucks. Sweat, 13 million. There's 56 million. Davis, two, 58. Sue and Joseph, six combined. 65 million dollars they spent to get to Mahomes and they didn't even sniff his ass you spent 65 million dollars on your front four and you can't get anywhere 65 18 on a corner Nine on the other corner. And you lay an egg like that in the Super Bowl. Mm, that's a lot of money on no return. You invested all that money. And you come up short. Whew, man. That's a lot of money. 65 million bucks in your front four and your backups, and you couldn't get home because your coordinator couldn't get them home. Players not playing either, too. But you couldn't get home. <laughs> oh. Okay. 
You couldn't get home. That field was shit. Maniac. It was shit for the Chiefs, too. Bad calls. Field's bad. Sound like the 49er fans. Field was bullshit. Referee sucked. You got beat. You got to eat it. It's what it is. Field was bad. Hey, I'm surprised Eagle fans haven't brought this one up. They got stopped in traffic and the cops had to go get them. (laughs) Hey, hey, I will say this. Maniac, I will say this, though. You know Park Avenue now is doing this. Thank God the Chiefs won. We can market our boy. Oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes. I love you. Oh, there's a love fest going on after that game. I love you, Patrick. I love you, Clark Hunt. Oh, my God, one of the great franchises. We even named the AFC trophy after your papa. Papa. (laughs) Papa. (laughs) Papa. Papa's got a trophy named after him? The Lamar Hunt AFC Championship Trophy. This is so wonderful. Oh, my God, do you know this for a fact? They wanted Cowboys and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's a dream come true. Mahomes and the Cowboys. Oh, man. Roger Goodell would have had a coronary right there in Patrick Mahomes' arms. (laughs) He would have had a heart attack. Do you understand that the Chiefs and the Eagles – had the third most watched, not football game, they had the third most watched television show in the history of broadcasting. Can you imagine if the Chiefs and Cowboys were in that thing? Good night. Good night. Oh, my God. Oh, Roger Cadell was all over. Boy, I'll tell you, that was a bad look, I thought. I did. He's hugging Mahomes. Come on, man. Come on, dude. I get Mahomes. Mahomes is a great face of the league. He surely is. It's a it's a it's a benchmark. It's a benchmark franchise, Chiefs. I get that too. I totally get it. And I and you know what? I I, I understand it, but come on, man. Show a little bit of respect for the Eagles. I thought the Eagles got shit on the whole time, man. By the way, who had the better facilities to train at? Do you actually, hang on, do you actually think the pro facilities are better than the college facilities? Have you ever been to Arizona State? I have. My daughter plays against Arizona State. They got 79 fields. Their practice facility is state-of-the-art. The Cardinals, it's okay. You guys practice at the Cardinals. They didn't give you one thing that was decent. Not even the police escort. Oh, they're stuck in traffic? Go get them. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I was like, what? Then you got the commissioner of the league hugging on his ass. I love you, Patrick. It was so dopey looking. And it was cringeworthy, too, I thought. Then the referee. Hey, 
So when you got the Eagle fans bitching about the like like maniac, when you've got the fans bitching about the, the surface, the calls, the practice facility, the escort to the game, the whole thing, the, the commissioner hugging all over Mahomes like that was his own lost son, the whole thing comes up like, eh, did you really want Kansas City to win that bad? Sure looks it. I like the kid Brees, 85. I do. Who do I have him going to? I got him going to the Commanders at 16. I think the Commanders are going to lose somebody in that defensive line, and I think they're going to end up trying to draft him. We had the same schedule as the Cowboys. You think you're as popular as the Cowboys? Look at Five Star thinks he's as popular as the Cowboys. You think you're as popular as the Cowboys? You might want to reel that one back in and take a look at the history of the TV ratings and see who the top television shows were this year. Nine out of ten are Cowboy games. (laughs) That's not a rip on you. It's facts. The commanders will lose Wentz. I'm I'm broken up over that one. (laughs) Look at James. Cowboys are popular. Cowboys are the most watched because they're the most loved and hated. Only other team that comes closer to the Patriots. Matt A. Hey, 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 Cowboys. The last time I saw the Cowboys, there was no internet. The last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, there was no internet. Okay, and everyone had a fax machine, including my aunt. (laughs) Oh, man. Cowgirls are America's team. How could you be America's team and not win? It's Jerry. You know why? Because Jerry only gives a shit about being a TV star. To match the star on the helmet. He don't care about winning. If he cared about winning, get out of the way. Hey, Sills, when's the last time the Cowboys won? Well, I remember like there was some sort of thing going on with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> Something about a dress. It's all I remember. <laughs> Something about a blue dress? Or was it green? Something about a blue dress. The last, the last time the Cowboys were good, something about Monica Lewinsky, I think doing something with like her oatmeal. I wasn't sure. Something got on her dress. I don't remember. I think it was oatmeal. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky and the Cowboys. Something there. I, I don't remember in Bill Clinton. I don't. Something I forget what it was. That's the last time the Cowboys were good. (laughs) Sills, what's the last time the Cowboys? Well, you know, man, I think, didn't I have to, like, dial up AOL? (laughs) Didn't I have to put, like, a disc in and pay, like, $19.99 for my internet? You put a disc in, and it made some crazy-ass noise. (laughs) Right? Some, Some shit like that, right? It's like a disc. Right? That's the last time the Cowboys... It's actually fact. 95 was it the last time they did anything that was worth a shit? 
Monica was pretty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Dial-up internet. That, sometimes that's what they have out in California, too, because, you know, they have so many great taxes out in California. Punks. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what. Oh, hey. Let me finish up a little bit here on the Jalen Hurts framework. By the way, Gardner Johnson is a massive target for the Eagles to re-sign. You got mail. <laughs> He's a massive target. He's the second most important player after Jalen Hurts in free agency and getting a deal done with, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's number two behind Jalen Hurts. That's a fact. And Adam Schefter's reporting that. That he is the number two priority. Okay? He's a number two priority. They want him desperately, which makes me think they'll drop 12 on him. Okay? Which makes me think they'll drop 12 million. Okay? On the guy. So. Okay. If I misspoke about Jalen being a free agent, he's not. He's got another year on his rookie contract. Jesus Christ, Thank you very much. But he's a number one objective in this offseason. Number two, I should say, C.J. Gardner-Johnson behind Jalen Hurts. Gardner-Johnson's a free agent. Jalen's got another year. It would be an extension. Some people are like two years old. C.J.'s a must-sign. C.J.'s going for $15 million. By the way, did you hear what Hardgrade said this morning? I'm not coming back on a cheap deal. Hard, I mean, um, uh, Bradbury. Bradbury says he's not coming back on a cheap deal. He's gone. I, I wouldn't even waste the effort if I were the Eagles to go after him. I draft a guy, the kid Gonzalez, maybe from Oregon. Um, If Witherspoon is there, I think he'll be earlier. My preference is Witherspoon from Illinois. Um, but I think he's going to go to the Lions. They need help on that side of the ball. Um, I'm not drafting a safety at 10. I may trade down. Pretty deep in the corner position. Joey Porter's probably going to go 17. The kid Gonzalez is rated higher. Than Porter. Deontay Banks, the kid from Maryland, has a high rating. I'm suspect about Big Ten corners. Because they don't play anybody. Now, they play good wideouts, but at one school. Ohio State. How, watch this. Let me, let, let me show you why, guys. Let me show you why. It's kind of a risk to look at corners um, from the Big Ten and quarterbacks. Okay. Name me a wide receiver in the NFL, not from Ohio State, who's a star. Let's think about it. Nobody from Michigan. Nobody from Purdue. 
Nobody from Wisconsin. Nobody from Nebraska. Chris Godwin, okay. What I thought he was an Ohio State guy. Robinson, Dotson, and Godwin. Are those elite receivers? Yeah, Sauce Gardner played at Cincinnati. Penn State has a couple good receivers. Stefan Diggs, where did he play college ball? Um, was he a Michigan State guy? Cooper Cup is not a Big Ten guy. What college did Chris Godwin play at? Penn State. Penn State guy. Okay. He's decent. Devontae Adams is a Fresno State guy. Devontae, I don't even have to look. Devontae Adams went to Fresno State. He did not go to the Big Ten. Cincinnati's not a Big Ten school. So when you when you draft a corner, how many good wideouts are you playing every week? When you're in the Southeastern Conference, you're playing against Devontae Smith, Jamarcus Chase, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Waddle, Mike Evans. You 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 got you got the elite guys in the world every week playing against them. Julio Jones, also an Alabama guy. And back in his day, who, hey, Maniac, Julio was a great player back in his day. My point is, so when you draft a cornerback out of the Big Ten, who have they played? Who have they guarded? It's like the Carson Wentz conversation. How did you know Carson Wentz was going to be a good ball player when he played against North Dakota, when he was at North Dakota State playing nobodies? And once they caught up with who he was and they had game film on him, he's terrible. Same thing with Trey Lance. He's not going anywhere. He's the same guy. C.D. Lamb's an OU guy. That's Big 12, dude. That's not Big 10. That's And... Um, Samuel, he's, he's South Carolina. He's a Southeastern conference guy. You're playing against those kind of dudes. You're playing against the chases. You're playing against like Devante Smith's of the world. Waddles, Debo Samuels. But in the big 10, you're not playing them dudes. So I'm always suspect on grabbing a corner. From the Big Ten. Th- those wideouts at Ohio State are really good. They're really good ball players. OBJ, another LSU guy. Justin Jefferson, LSU. 
Dude, the top receivers in the game, most of them are Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, LSU. Those are your factories. Penn State corner? I can't think of one. There's gonna he he's and I'm not saying you shouldn't evaluate him and look at him, but man, they don't have competition in that conference. That's why when they get in to the final four, they get annihilated. Michigan will never win a national championship. Why do you think a guy like Brian Kelly left Notre Dame? Because he doesn't get the talent the SEC gets. Dude, Ohio State and Michigan in the Southeastern Conference would win nine, ten games every year. Wait till Oklahoma and Texas get in there. Shit, they can't win 10 games in the Big Ten or in the Big 12. You think they're going to win 11 games in the Southeastern Conference? Good luck. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think um, Lincoln Riley ran away from Oklahoma and went to SC? Because he's got a better road to the Final Four in the Pac-12. You think Oklahoma and Texas are going to be better in the SEC? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, all right, sure. Yeah, the kid, Penn State puts out some good wideouts. They're, they're decent. They're, the kid Dotson looks good for the commanders. He does. But so you want to draft a cornerback from the Big Ten who plays nobody. So Ringo from, from Georgia. I don't think he's a first-rounder. I don't think he's a first-rounder. Now, that doesn't mean he can't play. I want to double-check. Yeah, that's not my mock draft 1.0. The corners that I have... In this draft are Witherspoon from Illinois, Christian Gonzalez, Oregon, Porter, Penn State, Deontay Banks, Maryland. That's the corners that I have in the first round. I have one safety also. Brian Branch, Bama. I have him going to the Patriots. So let's do this. Hit the like button. Hour number three, Meryl Reese will join us. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. National Football Show, please hit the like button. How many people think that the Eagles take a step backwards? By the way, Merrill Reese, 530 Eastern. How many people think they take a step backwards this year? How many people think the Eagles walk back a little bit? Tougher schedule, lesser players. Lose all your coordinators. Joseph says it's inevitable. You know what, Joseph? You know you can have a lesser team and still win it. Hence Kansas City. Is Hurts good enough to overcome the better schedule and lesser players on the team? How does it affect him? How does this coming free agent period in March affect Jalen? You ain't going to have three and outs on defense any longer. That defense is going to be assassinated with the butcher knife. Bradbury already told you, I ain't coming back for cheaper money. One corner gone. CJ ain't taking shit money. I think he's a priority. 
Both your linebackers ain't coming back for shit money. Fletcher might go like this. Well, maybe I'll be um, like Atomic and Sue and be like a, you know, a hired gun. Look at what Sue has done. Sue's made himself quite a bit of money the last couple of years. Buccaneers, Rams, Eagles. Look at the money he's made. Just going around being a hired gun. Chasing a ring. He's made a ton of money doing it. Signed one year deal, three million bucks. Hey. So if you don't have three and outs on defense anymore and you don't have one of the top units any longer, your secondary was overrated. And by the way, overpaid. So you paid, even with the money you gave Bradbury, you gave a guy 10 million bucks and $18 million to play center field. And when you needed a guy to play man coverage, they never did. And you overpaid two guys where you could have put two rookies back there to do the same thing. That's wasted money. You got results. So you can't shit on the results. They got to the NFC title game. They won it. They got to the Super Bowl. Martell, appreciate it. Pride goes, the draft has to be major. That's frightening if it's Howie Roseman running it. That's frightening. Hasn't drafted a corner to save his life. Hasn't drafted a linebacker to save his life. Drafted Brand Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham in his 20 years. Not a very good track record. Two really good ball players. One potential Hall of Famer. The other guys over the 20 years have been dog shit. Shit, the guy he drafted last year looks like a workout warrior. Guy's got all the intangibles, fast, big, can run. Put him on a field, guy plays like Jane. Put him on a NFL combine, looks like Tarzan. That's what that is right now. I told you this when you drafted him. He never lived up to his potential at Georgia even. 43 games, nine sacks. Where do you see production? What he did in four years, I did in one. He had no production at Georgia. None. He had no production. That was going to change in the NFL. Well, he's around great players. So was I. I had 100 tackles. Jerome had 102. I played with four first-rounders. And I had Cortez and Russell Maryland behind me. Don't give me that shit. I played with superstar players, too. And my coach is a Hall of Famer. Don't talk to me like that. I lost one game in regular season game in three years. We were the same thing. He had no sacks. See, I put my stats, my rookie year up. You're right. Hey, Sills had all kinds of stupid issues. I still had 22 tackles. And we had a strike that year in 12 games. We missed four games. So in 12 games, I had 21 tackles. I posted it on my Twitter page. This guy had 19 in 17 games or 14 games. I outplayed him. You can't have me outplay you and be the 13th pick. I was the 57th pick 
as a junior. Okay, so I was a high pick, so expectations had to be high too. But you're the 13th pick, dude. Well, Silsey's on a good team. Well, shit, I just saw two guys in Kansas City starting at corner that were rookies. Don't talk to me like that. And they beat the NFC champion Eagles. STN, I never said I was better than Jordan Davis. I said Jordan Davis needs to do more than me. That's what I said. I never said that. I was better than him in college. I did more. And, well, you played next to Jerome. Well, he played against this guy, next to this guy, Carter and Walker, who was the number one overall pick. And Dean was behind him. What's his excuse? I'll give... Don't give off ramps to guys. Draft a corner. Completely agree. Don't, don't look at a reel. Those two corners in Kansas City got smoked. Not in the second half. Yeah, they got smoked all right. To the tune of a Super Bowl ring. Smoot. You know what's funny? I heard Barrett say this, and, and and Tone, I love Barrett. You know that me and him are boys. Well, he out um Jalen outplayed Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Jalen outplayed Mahomes in the 2021 game. That's not what it was about. They ran the ball in both games and they beat you with the same game plan. He didn't have to throw for a ton of yards. You know why? You couldn't stop the run in both games. The 2021 game, they ran for 200 yards. In the Super Bowl, they ran for 160 yards with a rookie running back. They knew you didn't address it. They knew it. And by the way, how many of them whiteouts got in the end zone, the red zone? They let you run from 20 to 20, got into the red zone. If it wasn't for Jalen, you ain't scoring. They beat you with the 2021 game plan. Jalen threw for 300. Hey, Tom, make sure I'm right. Jalen threw for 358 yards, maybe 78 yards in 2021. I think Mahomes threw for 277 in that game. But you know what the key was? Mahomes was 90% in the Super Bowl in the second half alone. The thing that I told you that was the Achilles heel to Jonathan Gannon, good quarterbacks are 75% completion percentage or higher against him. You were never beating Mahomes. I should have known better. You were never beating him. They pulled their 2021 game. Jalen Hurts, in the two games that he has played against Patrick Mahomes, has outthrown him and outrushed him. But how does Kansas City have two wins? Because they had a team effort. And this time, they did it without Tyreek Hill who had three touchdowns in that 2021 game. A lot of Andy Reid there. Andy Reid's a better play caller today than in Philly.
Now, the kid 15 helps you. The kid 15 helps. I mean, when you got that dude in the building, he helps. Okay? So, you, you, I mean, dude, eight quarters of football. Jalen's outthrown him. But that wasn't the key to Reed's game plan. He went like this. You want to throw the ball? Fine. I don't believe you can stop the run. And so get this. Hey, hey, Tone. Give me the, if you can, Tone, I need your help on this. What were the rushing stats for the Super Bowl in that 2021 game? I think it was 235 yards rushing in 21. In 160 in the Super Bowl. They ran for 400 yards on you. They knew you didn't address it. The most prolific offense in the NFL in two games against you ran the ball for 400 yards combined. 400 yards in eight quarters. Three three fifty eight combined. Oh. Yeah, hundred and seventy yards as an average. Almost a hundred and eighty yards a game against you. They ran the ball. Hundred fifty eight in the Super Bowl. Two hundred last year. They knew you didn't address it. They knew you were the same team. That's frustrating. It's funny. I thought that the Eagles would do something different. It was the Chiefs that didn't do anything different. They beat you with the same game plan they had just without Tyree Kill. That's frustrating. You need D tackles. And you tried to put a Band-Aid on it. And it worked because of the shitty teams in the NFC. Against, dude, get this. Against top flight quarterbacks, a rookie could rush for big numbers on you, like Pacheco. Because if you got an elite quarterback like that, they're going to get space. And if you can't stop the run, like you can't, you have not been able to stop the run effectively against good teams for two years. Jordan Davis was a bust this year. And some will go, well, Sills, he played really well early. Dude, that's like telling me, hey, this book is really good, but I only read half the book. I left the other seven chapters and I didn't finish it. There's a beginning and an end to a story. And Jordan Davis's story ended at the beginning. Israel goes, you're shitting on Davis? You're damn right. You're damn right. You're damn right. 13th pick my ass. You're damn right. And by the way, shitting on Davis, I will shit on Jordan Davis even more next year because you know why? If that defense doesn't have three and outs like they did this year, 
that means that that quarterback has to carry that team more, and you're going to look like Chip Kelly's team. That defense has the potential next year to look like a ballet routine. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. Got to play better, dude. Hey, excuse me. This is what expectations are when you're the 13th pick. If he's the 57th pick or the 78th pick, that's one thing. When you're the 13th pick and you're going to get loose of Fletcher Cox and you're talking about paying Jordan, you're, to, you're talking about playing Hardgrave and you're getting rid of Sue and Joseph, you better be right on that pick. They're counting on that pick money-wise. Why is that? Because it's a rookie contract. You got to get on rookie contracts. You can't get just on free agent contracts if you're going to pay your quarterback. Shitting on Davis? They're counting on... Here. They are counting on Jordan Davis the same way that they counted on Jalen Hurts on his rookie deal. And this year was a bust of a season. And the linebacker guys sucked out loud this year. I mean, hey, if it was hard on me, you think I'm going to be easy on guys who didn't pan out? You got the wrong guy. You're expected to make tackles and make plays in the NFL. And when you don't, you're gone. And if you think I'm going to sit around here and I'm going to give a guy um, the benefit of the doubt when I didn't get it, fuck that. I didn't get the benefit, nor is he. You get the wrong show. And nor should Eagle fans. You should be counting on him. <clears throat> Watch this. Am I rooting against him? Absolutely not. No way. Do I hope? He seems like a great kid too. But that's really got nothing to do with it. Aaron Rodgers looks like an a-hole. But you're going to keep him because he's great. Okay? No one's showing up the D-line. I showed you, bro. You had $65 million invested in your front four and your backups, and they decided not to get off the bus. And all they did was complain about the field and the refs. Eh, loser's mentality. I give it to Bradbury. And, and by the way, that dude, Juju Smith-Schuster, should shut his hole. I thought he was out of the league or in Canada until he was thrown a lifeline by Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Honestly, I, I thought that guy was playing in Canada somewhere with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And all of a sudden, he's barking something on a Valentine's Day to James Bradbury, who manned up and said, hey, look, man, by the letter it's holding. Dude, to me, that's the kind of guy you like on your football team. 
He owns up. It's me. He's not going to blame the coach. He's not going to blame the field. He's not going to blame anything. I love that in a guy. Takes accountability for his actions. Even though, and I'll say this to you guys, I don't think you make that call in the game. The problem that I had with Greg Olson or anyone else talking about the play, they say you don't make that call there. No, you don't make that call anywhere in the game. First second of the game, last second of the game. You don't make that call. You let that game play out. Okay? Was it holding by the letter? Probably. But I'm not calling that in that game. Not that moment. Because the last second is just as important as the first second. Okay? That's Greg Olson's problem. And that was my problem. The last quarter of the game has no more significance. When you're refing a game than the first quarter of the game. But you don't call that in that game. Okay? You just don't. Probably the only thing that I would sit there. And then when Bradbury, you know what Bradbury did? Bradbury came out and diffused everything. Because you know what he didn't want to do? He didn't want to look like sour grapes Bradbury. He probably made himself more money manning up being that guy. Shit, if I'm a general manager and I hear a guy go, you know, man, I thought they'd let it go, but they didn't let it go. Was it holding? Probably. Um, I thought they'd let it go. They didn't. And it's a technique. You know, you grab the jersey, you put your arm around the guy's waist. We see it every game. You could probably call that play every play in any NFL game. That's my problem. That technique's used by everybody. And so for you to call that in that game, I'm like, damn, jeez. Ugh. That was my problem with with the call. Was it a bad call? It, it wasn't a bad call, but man, in that game, I mean, right? It's like calling a charge with two seconds left. In the NBA Finals in Game 7. You're not calling the charge. You see the game end on free throws? You know what that thing was like kind of watching? It was kind of watching the Daytona 500 under yellow finish. Is that is that a fair comparison? It was like watching the Daytona 500 finish under yellow. I was like, come on, man. You put them down there. Game's over. Soon as that went down like that, I was like, game's over. Game's over. I think the two moments in that game, there were three. The fumble killed them. Jalen trying to switch hands. But you want to hear something? And I'll say this again to you guys. The fumble was horrific. Jalen was spectacular. That's the fair assessment. The fumble killed them. Because it was scoop and score. That's what killed them. It was scoop and score. Um, Quez dropping that pass. And that call. You could have those three moments in the game. Those three, those three right there were the moments that I went, okay, the strip and scoop and score sucked. Because momentum was lost then. As soon as that happened, it well, actually, out of the out of the half, this is where Andy's gotten better. Out of the half, Kansas City scored. Then the scoop and score, then the drop, and then the the penalty. That, to me, kind of was the game wrapped up in that moment there. You know what I mean? 
And and by the way, did you guys see the face mask on that on that scoop and score? You could have called the face mask. I bet went back and watched the play. Did you guys see the face mask that was on the play? You could have called the face mask on that and nullified that. There, I thought there was a face mask on that play, and they didn't call that. And I was like, well, if you're going to call that touchy foul on holding, how don't you call the face mask on the scoop and score? Nobody's talking about that, that there was a face mask on that play. Was it a blatant face mask? No, it was a five-yarder, but it would have nullified the scoop and score. And it would have kept Philly with the ball. So, I mean, I thought the, the officials missed that call. Okay? So I was like, because I went back and watched it, I go, man, I didn't even see the face mask. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see the face mask. Until I went back and saw it, and it, you saw his head go like this. And I think the rest were looking at the play, all of them. And you see the back official missed it. His object, that number one job that that back official is not to watch because that's why you got a sideline guy and that's why you got a back judge. And that judge right there, sitting there behind the quarterback, is watching the quarterback in the pocket. And he turned his head. You could see him. And all three refs are looking downfield. They missed the face mask. And I was like, okay, wasn't the 15, but Philly would have kept the ball, nullified the scoop and score, and who knows? Okay. Challenging of calls, something maybe the competition committee will take a look at. Hertz, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Goddard all showed up. Correct. Yes. They did. They did show up. I mean, but you know what, too? Nobody in the Philly booth challenged the uh, the scoop and score. They didn't challenge it. You know, to me, I mean, just like the week previous on the Devontae Smith catch down the sidelines in the 49er game, okay, that wasn't a catch. It was clearly not a catch. Kyle Shanahan missed that. Somebody on the Eagle side in the coaching booth should have at least looked at that play again. And maybe Sirianni could have challenged that. You can, you can challenge that play. A scoop and score? It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, I mean... No one, really, Israel, nobody picked picked that up until after the, I didn't see it either. I thought it was a clean play until I went back. Challenge one bad call per game if there's evidence. But the league in New York should have saw that. You're going to allow a play to go like that and then you're, and see, watch this. So you're going to allow a face mask and then you're going to turn around and call a suspect holding call. You feel me?
James goes, or John goes, I'm still not over the loss. Yeah, because it was in the palm of your hand. Okay. I mean, that to me, I mean, I think the Eagle coaches missed that. But to hear Juju Smith-Schuster barking at James Bradbury, shut up, guy. You're lucky you're in the league. I mean, honestly. It was right there. That game was right there, man. And I'll say this to you, too, before I bring Merrill Reese in. And I'm going to say this to you. Outside of the fumble, and I've been saying it all week, Jalen Hurts was spectacular. He, he was spectacular. There were three moments in the game. Once again, the scoop and score. There was a face mask on that play that a lot of people didn't see. The drop by Quez and the call at the end of the game. Okay. I love Bradbury's position. Still, I mean, by the letter of the law, it is holding. But the problem that I have with some sportscasters it's not the moment of the game. You don't call that play in the game at all. Okay? You let that play out, whether it's the first second of the game or the last second of the game. It's not the fourth quarter because then you're getting officials caught up in the emotion of the game. That's for people like Merrill Reese to get caught up in the emotion of the game. And here he is now here with us here on the National Football Show. Merrill, I appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you so much. Hi, Dan. Um, Merrill... Define the 2022 season for you. Well, well, for me, the season, it was a great season. It was a great season with the, an ending I didn't love. Take me to the game, Merrill. Um, so many, I, I thought in the first half, the Eagles dominated that football game. They had them. Then in the second half, this is where I believe Andy Reid has gotten better. I think especially in situational play calling, they came out, they grabbed momentum, and they kind of went from there. They went on all their possessions and pretty much scored on every one of them. How did all that playing out for you? How did you see this game? Well, I, I honestly thought, Dan, that it came down to two plays. The, the two plays were the scoop and score on the fumble, and I agree with you. Jalen Hurts was absolutely brilliant in this game. The scoop and score and the punt return. And so special teams, you know, you know, Merrill, and it's one thing that you've been harping on all season long, especially when you were coming out of the Green Bay game. You were like this. This is going to rear its head somewhere. And it finally reared its head in the most important game of the year. Yeah, it did. It did. I, I know a lot of people are upset about the call at the end, the, uh, the holding call. I... I was not. I mean, I would. I. I, I did. I, it happened. It, it was holding. I mean, from a technical standpoint, it was holding, and he, I, I thought Bradbury showed a lot of a lot of poise and a lot of class in admitting that it was holding. He said he he hoped that it wouldn't be called, and uh, he he had held earlier to a greater degree, but he didn't get away with it this time, and. Uh, should they have called it at that time? I sometimes think there are things that you should let go, uh, not to, so that it doesn't become a game of flags. And we've seen that happen. There are calls that I hate 
I hate that ineligible receiver downfield when it has nothing to do with the play. But in this case, um, it, it technically was holding, and you can't say you lost because of a call like that. You know, Merrill, I also, went back and also, looked at the 20. I was just going to mention to you, and even if they didn't make that call, we don't know that the Eagles would have gone the length of the field to win the game. We don't know that. So that didn't lose the game. No, I, I, Merrill, like you said, I agree with everything you said. I think but the technical term in the rule book, it's holding. But again, I mean, in a game like that, I mean, man, I just, you I know, don't, you I, want it to play out. You know what I'm saying? You want it, you want, you want it to play out. You don't want to see something like that there. But again, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that that's what lost the game. I think what lost them the game was their inability to stop the run. I mean, and them not being able to run the ball. To me, the most disappointing player in that football game had to be Miles Sanders. Well, they did not have an effective running game. There's, there's no doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is, if you didn't have those two plays, if you didn't have the scoop and score, and you didn't have them in position because of the punt return to win the game, uh, to, to win the game, actually, they scored right after that. The Eagles would have won the game 35-24. Merrill, Jalen Hurts, I said this, I go, you know, if you look at what they did in the 2021 game, it's funny. Hurts threw for 358 yards in that game, or maybe 378 in that game, and Mahomes threw for 227 in that game, or 277, and then he turns around and he doesn't throw for a ton of yards in this ball game. He was 90% completion percentage, but the two – two factors that were the same is that Merrill, they ran the ball for 180 yards combined in both those games as an average. I mean, they kind of know the game plan and how to beat them. They believed that the Eagle defensive front was not going to stop the run. They in theory beat them with the 2021 game plan, but without Tyree kill. No, you're right. You, you are absolutely right. And you, you often say to win, you have to be able to run the football and stop the run. Absolutely. Um, Andy Reid, how did you feel about – you know what, probably when you were in Glendale you hated it, but after a couple days now, how do you feel about Andy Reid winning a second Super Bowl? I, are, you, are you a little I, bit torn? Well, you, you know how I feel about the Eagles losing this Super Bowl because it's it's better, but they, they played a – it was a great football game. I think the thing I said on the air to our audience, not to be not to be a homer, but to our audience, I said, I will remember this as a great Super Bowl, which was won by the wrong team. Yeah. From an Eagles standpoint. But the Chiefs deserved it. They did the things. They made the adjustments that they had to make. I can't take anything away from them. I can't take anything away from the running of Pacheco, he he really turned the corner. He really showed something on the ground. And then they got some stuff from McKinnon. And they, they had those two breakdowns, defensive breakdowns, that led to touchdowns by, um, you know, it, there, there were two of them. One to Sky Moore and the other to Ladarius Tony. You, you know, Merrill, I thought in the second half, this is why the defense got got a little confused. Because in the second half, it looks like Andy did a lot of crossing routes 
and the corners and safeties were passing off wideouts, and it confused them. And that's why some of those Kansas City wide receivers were so wide open is that they did a ton of those crossing routes. I even heard Eric Bieniemy talking about how we kind of confused them a little bit because they were trying to pass them around. It just goes to show you, Andy's improved as a play caller. Now, 15 helps. There's no question he's a transcendent player. But I, I, I thought his play calling, especially his clock management too, that's where a key where I had a problem with him in uh, Philadelphia was that I didn't really think he was that hot of a clock management guy. But I think that's gotten better with him. Oh, it has. It has. But keep in mind you're talking about a coach with 24 years of experience uh, against a coach with two years of experience. But yet take nothing away from Nick Sirianni. He is a great young coach. What coordinator do you feel will be felt the most in the loss, Shane Steichen or Jonathan Gannon? I think they're two excellent coaches. I think that the uh, I, I think that the Colts in taking Steichen made a great move, and I think that the Cardinals in taking JG made a great move. They're they're both excellent young coaches uh, who will be successful if, and I, I know this is a big if if they get organizational support. These have not been traditionally two great organizations in supporting their head coaches. But they, they have if they get that, they can both be winners. Now, I think it may be easier for the Eagles to replace Shane Steichen because don't forget, Nick Sirianni was a former offensive coordinator, so it's his side of the ball uh, than to, to replace Jonathan Gannon. But uh, we'll see what they do. But I, I think on offense, I would not be surprised if they, if they promote Brian Johnson, who has the whole history with, the, with Jalen Hurts, has known him since he was a little kid, and was also an offensive coordinator in Florida before he came to the Eagles as a quarterback coach. So he and, and uh, Jalen are on the same plane. They're on the same page all the time. Do you, do you have a little concern that Brian Johnson could follow Jonathan Gannon to Arizona? Because, again, there's the same kind of situation there with Kyler Murray in the RPO system. And if you named him assistant head coach and promoted him to OC, that's an elevation. On It's not a lateral move. Would you be concerned? Because I agree with you. I think Brian Johnson, and I wouldn't be surprised, too, uh, Merrill, if Denard Wilson ends up becoming yeah. the coordinator – because I would think how we'd want to keep everything in house. Well, I I have no inside knowledge on this, but I I would think that that probably Nick Sirianni has an agreement with Jonathan Gannon not to take certain certain pieces, and I think one of those would be uh, Brian Johnson instead of rating. Because again, like you said, yeah, most of the time when you get these opportunities like this. Um, you know, you, you end up rating some of it. I'll be what, and that's good to hear because again, you got to get permission from the Eagles to talk to these guys. So they gave them the permission. You know, I threw an interesting name out. Um, if they don't want to elevate, I threw out Eric B and this is why I threw out Eric B The RPO systems intact. Jalen's pretty much your offensive coordinator on the RPOs. Eric Bieniemy is never going to get an NFL head coaching job working for Andy Reid. That's evident. It's not going to happen. 
he's interviewing with the commanders, um, I think this week. And Andy has given him the opportunity to see if he wants, would you be open to something like that? Because the evolution of Jalen Hurts' passing game, and all of a sudden you bring the enemy in that was working with Patrick Mahomes. Do you think that's something that the organization would entertain? Or do you think it's mostly in-house, Merrill? I think it's mostly in-house. I, I really believe it's going to be Brian Johnson. How about this offseason here with free agency? Are you concerned that there's a ton of moves to be made? There's only four guys, Merrill, on the defensive side that are under contract. This team may come back and look completely different next year, especially if they address Jalen Hurts' contract. Which they will. There's no doubt. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie indicated that they will. So he did that Super Bowl week. He said, we're going to take care of it, not this week, but it will be done soon. So that that is something they will take care of. And he'll be getting top quarterback money. Uh, but I, I don't. I think they will lose key. They, they've got a lot of decisions to make. Uh, do they let Miles Sanders leave? Uh, do they? Uh, I don't think they can sign both James Bradbury and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They have to decide which one of those guys they keep. Uh, I don't. Uh, another one uh, is Javon Hargrave, who is coming off a great season. See, they they've got to make choices. They can't sign all these guys. Sam Allo. T.J. Siamalo, T.J. Edwards, who had a terrific season, terrific linebacker. Uh, so they've they've got a lot of decisions to make. Finally, here, Merrill. Um, from what I understand, like you said, the week of the bye, Clutch Sports, and I want to get the fr- I want to get the wording right because Clutch told me to make sure the wording's right. Clutch and the Eagles are working on a framework for Jalen Hurts, and the range is between forty-five and fifty million dollars. Now, I don't have any more insight. I don't know if it's front end, back ended. I don't know with guarantees. I don't know anything. But Clutch is saying that it's more about framework, and that's why when the owner came out, Jeffrey Lurie came out and said, "Money's not the issue here. It's the framework that they're working on." That's where they are right now. So to me, it looks like Jalen wants to work with Howie and the front office on making sure that there's a roster coming back next year. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Well, there will be a roster coming back next year. They'll they'll be a strong team entering the season. Uh they may they have a few spots that they're going to have to fill. But let's look for example. For example, I'm going to name two players who will fill spots. One is Jordan Davis. He had a good rookie season. He missed some times with a concussion, and, a, and he had a high ankle sprain for a while. But he's Jordan Davis is going to be an impact player next year. So maybe that, if they lose Hassan Reddick, he just becomes that guy in the, in the defensive interior. Um, another guy uh, who is waiting in the wings for an opportunity to play every down, and that is N'Kobe Dean. They like him a lot. Jonathan Gannon told me great things about N'Kobe Dean, and they loved him when they drafted him. So I think he will be an impact player next year. As I said, this team has some depth. Absolutely. Merrill, it's been a great ride. I mean, you know, of all the losses I'm thinking, uh, boy, I'll tell you, you've been around for every one of them just about. 
the last game at the vet, uh, 81 Super Bowl, the Patriots Super Bowl, um, maybe even the New Orleans loss when Jeff Jeffries dropped the ball in New Orleans. That was a tough one. Oh, yeah. And and this one right here, I mean, I think probably because the expectations were on this team that this one probably hurts the most. You know, no, no. The the one that hurts the most, I've thought about this. The one it's that, McNabb. It was the last, it was the play at the NFC Championship against against Tampa Bay in the last game ever played at Veterans Stadium. The Eagles were decisive favorites going into that game. And everybody had the Super Bowl in their in their view. Everybody felt, let's get this out of the way. Tampa Bay's not going to win on a cold day and move on to the Super Bowl. And it never happened. That was the bitterest of all. Leaving that stadium that day was the toughest. This time it hurt. I, I cannot say that it didn't. But I also thought this team won 16 games. This team accomplished everything went right. They they went through this season, Dan, and had all 23 starters healthy for the Super Bowl. That's remarkable. They picked up a lot of people who are going to help long range. They picked up a return guy, a punt return guy in Britton Covey, who had a 28-yard return during this game and averaged nine yards per return during the season, which was higher than Darren Sproles and Danny Amendola averaged in their first year in the NFL. He, there, there are a lot of players that I can look at this team and on this team and say, you know what, they are, they are going to even get better in some areas. Now, I know things happen. This will be another team. They will be a target from day one. The schedule will be tougher. Who knows about injuries? There are changes on the staff. There are changes on the field. So it'll be a different team. But they have three things going for them above all else. Number one, they have an excellent, and I do mean excellent, organization from the top on down. They have an an owner who is reasonable, who lets his people do their jobs. Number two, he supports them in every way. Number two, they have a general manager who has proven that he knows what he's doing. He uses his staff, his town evaluators. He makes great moves. Look what he did this year. And number three, and this is really, really tough to find, and there are teams that haven't been able to do it for years, they have an elite young quarterback. Those three things give me confidence. You know, you know, Merrill, I want to I want to leave you with this one here. And I, I pointed this out earlier. Think about it. So that organization, when it comes to hiring coaches, even Chip Kelly, who's turned UCLA around, had a winning record in Philly. Doug won a Super Bowl and won a division. Andy's going to the Hall of Fame. Andy Wall up in Pittsburgh is the assistant general manager, Joe Douglas with the Jets, Andrew Barry with Cleveland. There's one thing this organization could do. Now you've got Gannon, Frank Reich, and Shane Steichen, all with NFL head coaching jobs. There's one thing that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie do, Howie Roseman does. They hire quality people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. This is an excellent coaching staff. There's no doubt about it. They have 
in, in my 46 years doing the play-by-play, they have the best offensive line coach I've ever been around. Jeff Stoutland is amazing. His players revere him. Jordan Mailata, when he gives us college, says he went to Stoutland University. He, he's the best. To have an offensive line coach that good is, is a big, big plus. And their defensive line coach, Tracy Rocker, you know the kind of player he was, College Hall of Fame. Former, former teammate of mine. Really? Yeah. He was a former teammate of mine. And, um, yeah, when we were in the World League together, because Tracy got hurt with the Washington Redskins and he blew his knee out, I was uh, the property of the Detroit Lions. We played in NFL Europe, and he was the defensive tackle. And we played, we played for two years together. And then he went into the college ranks. I think he went to Auburn. Then he went to South Carolina. Then he went to Georgia. Yeah. And then he came to, um, as a matter of fact, the defensive line coach at Pittsburgh, Carl Dunbar, was our teammate as well. Those were, we were all three. We were all three on that same defensive line. He went to LSU. Tracy went to Auburn. Won the Outland and Lombardi actually. And um, I went to University of Miami. So we were all teammates. Great guy, isn't he? Great guy. Great guy. Knows his stuff. Um, I, I, I believe he's one of the top flight defensive line coaches in the NFL. Meryl, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Thank you for everything this year. Can't that, wait to talk that. as we get into free agency in the draft. Let's do it. You got it. Thank you, Meryl. Okay, take care. The legendary Meryl Reese has been there for all the great wins and the heart-wrenching losses. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Angelo Cataldi is going to be retiring on Friday. He's one of the very last dudes like Big Sills. But he's been able to get over the speed bumps in our business. Um, He's had a legendary career. Legendary. And that market will miss him. There's a reason that a 71-year-old guy lasted that long. Because the rest of them. Can I tell you, I've learned one thing about being on in Philly. Man, those hosts don't run that city. The fans do. It could be Josh Ennis. It could be Ike. It could be Hugh. It could be Jody. It could be any of them guys. It could be Eskin, Tony Bruno. There's a reason Tony Bruno, Howard Eskin, and Angelo Cataldi lasted and you'll always remember those names okay and ray there's a reason you remember those guys you know why they said something they said something impactful they made you think they made you hate them they made you love them but what they were was genuine you get so many people that do this what i do i've been doing it for 34 years i found out one thing the more genuine, genuine you are, the longer you'll last. But sometimes when you're genuine, people don't want to hear genuine. They like, especially the people that make decisions, they're like bullshit artists. Because those are people that move like a snake. Seriously, people in my business like people who move like a snake. And that's just not Angelo. He doesn't move like a snake. He's crafty. He'll be missed, man. He will. He'll be missed. Radio business is not what it once was. You know, I posted something. Somebody's asking me potentially to do something in a city in um, Florida. That doesn't mean I'm not going to still do this. Because I think this is the future. I think radio, I don't know. I may or I may not. I don't know yet. 
but I have it. This I have if I want to to do it. I don't know because I don't like guardrails. You can't do a decent show with guardrails. You just can't. You can't do a show any longer on radio. And I don't want to be in the principal's office every day answering why I said this. So this is why when Angela leaves Friday, Philly's mine. Philly's mine, dude. Because it'll be the only place where you could talk sports. Simple, easy. He's right. I talked to him the other day. Easy. Because you know why? All you do is talk to you. It's been a great ride. And I appreciate it. You guys are wonderful. Please hit the like button. Xander, love you, brother. Tone, keep up the fabulous work and the intel and the contributing contributing to the show. You're doing spectacular. Love having you with us. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. Big Sills will see you on the flip side. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.